0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Live Through Jesus podcast. On this episode, fear and faith and how the one we choose to act on matters. Numbers 14, 20 to 34. Read from the New King James Version. Quickly before we get started, if you're new to Live Through Jesus, make sure that you go to livethroughjesus.com and sign up to receive your free five-week Bible study over Abraham. There you'll also find blog posts that coincide with the teachings on this podcast and social media links, which is another way to keep in touch throughout the week. Okay, let's get started. Do you ever get scared? Of course you do. The question is, how do you handle? Fear can paralyze us, discourage us, make us hide or run, but it can also motivate us. And so, would you say that you're a fearful person or a courageous person? What if I told you that being courageous doesn't mean being absent of fear? It just means moving forward in spite of it. Today, we're going to talk about the difference between being fearful and faithful. On the last episode, we saw that 10 of the spies that were sent into the promised land were too afraid to enter, even though God had promised it to them. And then there were two of the spies that were faithful to the Lord. In spite of the giants that they faced, they decided to act on their faith and not on their fear. So let's go ahead and read today's passage and see what their lack of faith cost them. This is Numbers 14, 20 to 34. The Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word, but truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and they have put me to the test now these ten times, and they haven't heeded my voice, nor shall any of those who reject me see it, but my servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit in him, and he has followed me fully. I will bring him into the land that he went, and his descendants will inherit it. Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valley. Tomorrow, turn around and move into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I've heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so will I do. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in the wilderness. All of you who are numbered, according to the entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb and Joshua, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I'll bring them in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of days in which you spot out the land, 40 days, for each day you shall bear guilt one year namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. And so Moses had prayed in our last episode that God would not kill all of the people. And so God said, I won't kill all of the people, but they aren't going to enter the land. Now, he did kill the 10 spies, those spies that completely rejected him and convinced everyone else to reject him. God did not have mercy on them. They all died in a plague, and then the land that the other people had rejected was taken away from them for good. They had taken for granted this incredible blessing that God had laid before them, and so they'd proven that they didn't deserve it. And so even with all the signs and wonders, they still didn't believe that God could make good on his promises. And so instead of giving them the land that was flowing with milk and honey as he had intended, He gave them according to their expectations. What did they expect? They expected to die in the wilderness. That's what they said. They said, we're either going to die in the wilderness or we're going to die at those people's hands. And God said, fine. You don't believe me? Then I'll give you according to your expectations instead of according to my promises. And so they sold God short, and now they're going to receive the least from him that they could. If they believed that he couldn't give it, he wasn't going to give it. They were going to walk away with their lives, but nothing more. So do you see how their lack of faith cost them everything? They had rejected this abundant life that God offered to them, and now it was rejecting them. All of this is poetic, right? God is is giving them exactly what they deserve, exactly what they expect. For 40 days, they'd explored the promised land with the express purpose of finding out what it looked like and then going in. But because they refused to believe that God could fulfill the purpose that he was bringing them in there for, then now they're going to spend the next 40 years wandering in the desert with no purpose at all. The only goal they have now is death. (laughs) That's all they're waiting on. They're just wandering around waiting to die. A day ago, they had everything to live for. They had complete purpose. Everything they had been preparing for was right in front of them, and they're about to go in. And now today, no purpose, completely ripped away from them, all because they lacked the faith to go in. God had been faithful to them since he had given the promise to Abraham hundreds of years before, but they weren't faithful to him. In their hearts and their minds, they turned their allegiance from him. And their minds were back in Egypt. And so the first thing we need to talk about is that God has blessings in store for the obedient and the trusting, but he has curses in store for the disobedient and the unfaithful. If we choose to be unfaithful to him, if we choose to be disobedient to him, then we are choosing the result of that action. Listen to what it says in Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all the commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you above all the nations of the earth, And all of these blessings will come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then it proceeds to list all of the blessings that they would receive if they would just obey him. So God has blessings in store for the obedient. But listen to what it says in the same chapter in verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if you don't obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all of these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then it proceeds to list all of the curses that they would receive if they chose to be disobedient and unfaithful to the Lord. God's not inflicting these things upon them. This is what they chose. They chose to be unfaithful to him. They chose not to trust in him. And if they didn't trust him to take them into the land, why would he take them in? There's no point. So he's giving them according to their expectations. Psalm 31:19 says, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men. God has goodness, Laid up for those that fear him, that respect him. So if the Israelites would have feared God instead of the giants that were in that nation, then God would have given them all of the goodness of that land. He had already prepared it for them. All they needed to do was trust him, but they didn't want to do that. They couldn't make themselves do that. Psalm 34, 8 through 10 says, "Oh." Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. There's no want in those that fear him. Trust God, fear him. Test him, see if he's good. See if he's as good as he says. It would have been worth it to you. Jeremiah 5.25 Your iniquities have turned these things away and your sins have withheld good from you. So did God withhold good from them? No. Their sins, their fear, their unfaithfulness to the Lord, that is why the goodness of the promised land was withheld from them. It was all their own doing. This was not of God. God had full capability of taking them in. They didn't trust him. A couple more verses. Jeremiah seventeen five through 10. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes. But shall inherit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is in the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the water, which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes. But its leaves will be green, and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things. And desperately wicked. Who could know it? I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. And so he says, if you don't trust in God, you are cursed. If you trust in the flesh and depart from the Lord, you will be cursed. But if you trust and hope in God, then you'll be blessed. You'll be grounded. You'll be provided for. And then it just proceeds to say, don't trust your heart. Your heart is deceitful. Whenever the Bible talks about your heart, it's generally talking about your feelings. And so what it's saying is your feelings are deceitful above all things. They're desperately wicked. You cannot trust them. And so the last of this verse says, God searches your heart and tests your mind. And then he gives according to your ways. So it says he knows what you're thinking, he knows what you're feeling, and he wants you to rise above that and do what you're supposed to do, do what you know to do, and then he'll give to you according to what you do. So if those people would have said, I'm afraid, but I'm going to rise above that fear and I'm going to go in this land anyway because I trust you, then God would have given them according to their ways. He would have known what was in their head and what was in their heart, but he would have rewarded them for rising above that, for knowing that their heart was deceitful and saying, I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to listen to my feelings. I'm going to trust the God that's brought me this far. I'm going to be faithful to him. If they would have done that, God would have rewarded them, but they didn't. Last verse for right now, Proverbs thirteen fifteen. Good understanding gains favor, but the way of the unfaithful is hard. The way of the unfaithful is hard. No matter the fear, no matter the worry, no matter the doubt, no matter what you're feeling, God's saying, be faithful to me, because if you're not, it's going to be much, much harder. And it definitely was for the Israelites, right? Definitely much harder. And so we don't want to take the goodness of the Lord for granted. He wants to give good gifts to his children, but we have to believe that he's able and we have to prove that we trust him by acting on that belief. We can say it all day long, but if we don't act on that, then it's like that verse said, he's going to give according to our ways, according to the fruit of our doing. And so, just as if we act contrary to our fear and do what God wants, He will reward us. If we say that we believe in Him and then don't prove it by acting on our belief, then He's gonna give according to what we do. He gave it the Israelites according to their doing. They refused to go in. And so their lack of faith cost them the blessings that God had in store for them. We don't want that to be the same with us. Don't sell him short. Believe that he can do everything you ask in me. Here's a couple of passages that you can rely on whenever you need to know that he's completely able. The first one is Job 9.10. He does great things past finding out. Yes, wonders without number. So whenever we start to get scared or we start to doubt, we have to tell ourselves, God does great things, things that we can't even imagine, things that we can't count. He does so many wonderful things we can't even count. Psalm 77, 9 to 15. Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? And I said, this is my anguish, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. I'll remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I'll meditate on all your work and talk about all your deeds. Your way, O God, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God as our God? You are the God that does wonders. You've declared your strength among the people. You have with all your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. So did you notice what was being said in this verse? In the beginning, he says, have you forgotten to be gracious? Has your anger just shut your tender mercies away from us? He said, these are the things that I I feel. But then I rise above those feelings and I tell myself what I know. I remind myself of all of the wonderful works that you've done. And then I meditate on them. And then I tell people about them. I don't let myself forget what you've done and what you're able to do. Every time that I start to think, Wait, where is God? Why is he not helping me? I remember how he redeemed me before. And then I don't worry you. I don't doubt him. I don't lose my faith. And then listen to this verse. Just reminds us of who God is. Ephesians 3.20 Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think, According to the power that works in us. Every time that you start to doubt, every time you think it's impossible, every time you think that there are giants in front of you and there's no way you're going to be able to defeat them, every time that the promise looks like it can't work, every time that you've been heading towards this goal and everything looks like it's going to fall apart, remind yourself that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even imagine. So hope in him, trust in him. Everything may not always turn out the way that you want it to, but if you place your hope in God, then he's working for you and you know that you'll be okay. And so the best thing that we can do whenever we're having doubt or fear or any of those things is to read all of his miracles, This person in Psalm was reminding himself of all the things that he knew God was able to do. And the only way we can know what he's capable of is by reading it in his word and then also reminding ourselves of every supernatural thing that he's ever done for us. If we read about what he's done for others, we talk to other people that we know and they tell us the things that God has done for them, and then we remind ourselves of the supernatural things that he's done in our own lives, then our faith will increase. This is Mark 9, beginning in verse 17, and it says, Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And then skip down to 21, and he says, "How Jesus says, how long has this been happening to him? And the man said, From childhood. And often this spirit has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And then this is the most important part. Listen to this very carefully. Verse 24. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw the people running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And so did you see what the man did? He said, I do believe. And then he said, but help my unbelief. So he said, I do believe, but I also doubt. Help me. I don't want to doubt. I want to believe in you, but I'm struggling. And what did Jesus do? Did he say, well, if you've got any doubt, then tough for you. No, Jesus immediately helped him. He did help his doubt. And he also healed his son. Both. How wonderful is that? Do you see how God's faith even when we aren't? He understands our weaknesses. He doesn't expect us not to fear. He just expects us to rise above that fear. He doesn't expect us not to doubt. He just expects us to act on our belief. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. God is faithful. All we have to do is stand firm in our faith towards him. Okay, so let's go back to the passage for a minute. We talked about how the entire generation of the Israelites had rejected the land and they're going to die in the wilderness. The only people out of that entire generation that are not going to die before they reach the promised land are Joshua and Caleb. They're the only ones that have been courageous enough to set aside their fears and act on the belief that God would give them what he promised. It says that they had a different spirit than the rest of the people. The Israelites had a spirit of fear, but Joshua and Caleb had a spirit Faith, And so Joshua and Caleb were going to be allowed to go in, and also their children. You see, their fathers had said, What did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness, us and our children? And God said, No. As a matter of fact, the children that you thought were going to die, I'm going to save and I'm going to let them go in. They'll inherit the land that you're too afraid to, to enter. God wanted them to know that he could and would protect his people. It was just going to be their children instead of them because they didn't trust him. And so we can have both fear and faith. We can have both doubt and faith. We just can't act on them both. That's what matters. Which one do we act on? We can have feelings of doubt. We can have feelings of fear. We can have even have feelings of faith. But if we don't act on that faith, then it's kind of useless. Listen to what it says in James two fourteen to 24. What does it profit if someone says that he has faith, but he doesn't have any works to back it up? Can faith save him? And then he gives an analogy. He says, what if there's a brother or sister that's naked and destitute and needs food? And then one of you says to him, depart in peace and be warmed and filled. But you don't give him the things that are needed for his body. Then what does it profit? So you see, you have to have action. You have to act on that faith. Verse 17. Thus also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe there's one God? You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works and by his works, the faith that was perfected in him? The scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. He was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not only by faith. If you really truly believe, then you'll act on that belief. God said that Caleb and Joshua had a different kind of spirit. It was a spirit of faith and not a spirit of fear. And he's given us a different kind of spirit too. His children have a different kind of spirit than the rest of the world. Second Timothy one seven says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So the spirit that God gives to his children is a powerful one one that gives us the ability to truly love, and then one that gives us a sound mind, an ability to think rationally even when our feelings are telling us something different. The spirit that God gives to his children gives us that ability to rise above our feelings and think clearly and logically. That's courage. That's faith when we can rise above what we feel, tell ourselves, I do have a little bit of doubt, but I don't want to doubt. So I'm going to ask God to remove it from me. And I'm also going to remind myself of all the things that I know he can do. I am scared, but I know God's with me and I know that he's stronger than anything else. I know that he's powerful and that he can enact that power through me to accomplish anything that he chooses. And so I'm going to rise above that fear and I'm going to do whatever it is that he's asking me to do. We do not want to be like the Israelites and have our lack of faith cost us everything. So place your hope in God and then you won't have any reason to be afraid. That's the lesson today. Next week, we'll see how the people respond to their 40-year sentence in the wilderness. So... Make sure that you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review and comments wherever you're listening. Also, don't forget to sign up for the weekly email updates and follow me on all social media at Live Through Jesus. Thanks and have a good day.